Many people say that music is a universal language. If that's the case, I would like to use music as a platform to talk about health. My name is Dr. Moshe Lewis, and I'm a full-time practicing physician who loves music and the way it affects our brains, our bodies, and our well-being. We'll be discussing topics that affect all of us, from mental health to body image, cancer screening to stroke. Our health is truly our greatest asset. Hopefully, these discussions will improve the health of our community. Welcome to Music and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis, and I am so excited today to be joined by Amber Clare. You have heard her and seen her all over, and we wanted to bring her here because she has such an amazing story to share. Amber, welcome. Thank you so much. Lovely to meet you, like face-to-face through Zoom. (laughs) Exactly right. It's virtual, and then one day it'll actually be tangible. But yeah. I wanted to kind of start at the beginning because I thought your story was so amazing from the time that I began um, to sort of learn about your background um, because you're from Australia and um, started singing when you were six years old. Tell us how you got interested in music and then ultimately made a transition to the U.S. Well, I'm actually going to show you my very first influence was Madonna, my vinyl record here. Um, When I heard, I believe it was Lucky Star. Um, I heard that on the radio and I started just like jamming to that and I learned the lyrics to it. And before I knew it, I was a mini Madonna and I was dressing up as Madonna for anybody that came over to our house to visit our family. I was putting on concerts and um, I guess my parents actually realized they said she can actually sing. This is what they said. I'm not, you know, like, (laughs) blowing my own horn here this is what they said and um from then on I just started a real passion for music I mean Madonna was just iconic from her bracelets to her crosses to her bows her jack everything she wore like her dancing and just her style I just absolutely just thought she was a knockout I was like wow I want to be like her so um I was, you know, a little mini Madonna and then I was obviously introduced to the likes of Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and it was this album, which I'm going to pull out, this one. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Um, Whitney Houston and um, I actually sang The Greatest Love of All at um, I think it was one of my very first talent shows and I was eight and I won actually. And it was one of those shows that was um, everybody combined from ages, from my age at the time was eight, then 10, then 16. And yeah, it was like all combined and I actually won it. And it was, it just really kind of put me into a different mindset. Like I really, really want to do this. So um, I just continued to do talent shows and, you know, I listened to Kylie Minogue, which was like our version of Madonna but a little cleaner version than Madonna, um, Kylie Minogue. And we we had a show called Young Talent Time and that was kind of like the Mickey Mouse Club and um, Kylie's sister was actually on it, Danielle Minogue. And um, my sisters and I used to like have all our favourite, you know, different artists from the show and that type of thing. So we always watch Young Talent Time and I actually auditioned for Young Talent Time singing Saving All My Love For You by Whitney Houston and I 
got onto the show and then they axed it. They discontinued it. So my dream was like shattered. I was like, I'm not going to be on oh, Young Children Time anymore. <laughs> but um, I just found my way, just kept on getting out there, performing, um, being in local bands as much as I could, like um, cover bands, singing in different venues. And um, and then the next person, which Mariah Carey. Um, Songwriting-wise as well, not only for her voice, but songwriting. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. And she really is what made me want to get into songwriting because I thought I want to, I love singing everybody else's songs, but I want to learn how to, you know, write my own, but it came naturally to me because I've always been a writer, like story, mm. like I would always write stories at school and really excel in that. I always had a pretty vivid imagination. So um, I've always kind of lived in a fantasy world, I guess. <laughs> Sure. And I want to dissect that because I know um, some of these things about you that many of the artists um, have been women. I want to talk about like how empowering it is and how much it meant to you, especially now that you've had some time and years to reflect upon it in terms of how these um, women uh, as artists, but also just as people kind of really helped shape you uh, as a young um, lady, then a young teenager, and, and then ultimately a young adult, um, beyond just the inspiration of, of music and singing, but just really being able to come into your own and literally have your own voice. Um, just tell me a little bit about what you, um, what insights you, you've noticed and things like that, because they've certainly uh, changed generations, but really hearing at a personal level how they changed, you know, uh, someone's life, or at least gave them a sense of identity and purpose is, is very moving. Yeah, well, I actually um, took a little piece of everybody that I listened to and kind of put it into my own style. And I just feel like I've always had such a love for especially soulful artists, you know, I mean, even Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, um, I grew up listening to them as well. And I had older brothers and sisters. And so um, they used to have like all the posters on the wall during the eighties. And I would like say, who was that? And I'd see Wham, I'd see Spandau Ballet. I would see, you know, um, a lot of Australian bands that we have amazing artists like John Farnham, Tina Arena. Um, and I guess, you know, when I got into my teenage years, when I was, I think I was around 13 and I started high school, that was a really difficult time for me because um, I kind of, for me then, I was at an awkward stage of what I looked like. Like my hair was kind of frizzy and um, I was kind of awkward and really taller than everybody else. And I was really bullied a lot, bullied a lot at school and it was very um, difficult and I hated like just so many things about myself because I'd have like, you know, all the popular kids like just attacking me all the time and it was really it kind of really 
you know, affected me. So when Mariah Carey came out with Vision of Love and she had like curly hair and she was a singer, she honestly like saved me in a lot of ways, you know, singing wise, because um, I feel like her music and her songwriting and just who she was and how I identified with her uh, really helped me through those difficult times. And that's why she's so special to me because she kind of made my teenage years a lot more easier to deal with because I kind of felt lost in a lot of ways, you know? Sure. So many times we've had artists literally say that music saved their lives. And sometimes they mean it in a personal way, the music that they're performing and needing to get out or getting music out and things like that really sort of helped give them purpose. Um, if I hear correctly, what you're saying too, is that some of the music that you were hearing and some of the artists that kind of indirectly acted as a role model um, helped uh, encourage you through a time where so many people are trying to find themselves and also fit in, so to speak, um, and despite the fact that kids can be uh, very cruel uh, in that process. Mm -hmm. It was so bad, actually, that my parents took me out of the school system and put me on homeschooling because I couldn't stand it. Like I was literally physically and emotionally getting attacked. Um, every day I'd leave school, they would be, you know, like they'd be waiting for me and they'd want to like just badger me and attack me and it was awful. So I was like, I can't stand this anymore. So... Um, I excelled and I think that's what made me become really strong and self-motivated from a really early age because I've always been, you know, used to doing everything myself. Like you have to be a, you have to be motivated even with homeschooling because you can have, you know, people that are encouraging you to work or they help you, but you have to bring it within yourself to be motivated to actually do the work and get it done. And that's what it really taught me. So it's kind of helped in my later years a lot. Thanks sure. to my parents. <laughs> and do you sense that it was also some of that same uh, impetus as well as independence that helped uh, champion your um, decision to, to come to America? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I've always just been a go-getter. I've always reached for something higher than me and I've, I've never given up. I think that's probably the biggest thing about myself that I'm proud of. I could have easily like just thrown the towel in and said, I'm done. It's easy to do, you know, in this industry and you get so many knockbacks or you get people telling you, Oh, you're not going to make it. There's somebody better than you. There's somebody prettier than you, whatever. It doesn't matter. But for me, I thought, well, I'm me. And I'm a mixture of everything rolled into one. And I'm going to make that work for me. Right. And to my understanding, you did. You also, um, before we get to some of the things we've been doing more recently, um, did tons of uh, interviews and, like you said, got a chance to write and, and really um, be amongst um, various celebrities and I suspect still do. Um, tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into that and, and how it also continues to help support um, your career as you move forward with music. Sure. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, back in, I think it was 2004, I signed a recording deal that wasn't very good it was actually kind of a bit of a bind but at the time you know it worked for me at the time but then it became to a point where it was like a seven-year contract that I couldn't get out of so um, it kind of put a big dark spell on my music career for a long time and that was in Atlanta so basically I said well 
why not go to LA? Why not try it out there and see what else? That's where everything is. It's either New York or LA. And I knew people in LA. So I came out here and um, basically on a wing and a prayer, like I always do, just get a plane ticket and off I go. Um, And I reached out to a couple of internet uh, radio stations that actually um, give up-and-coming artists and independent artists a chance to play their stuff on the radio. So I reached out to uh, the American Radio Network. It's, they're still around, I believe, but um, they, I asked them to play one of my songs that I actually recorded in Australia and they played it on the radio and they ended up loving my accent and they said, do you mind um, hosting the show with us like next time? And I was like, sure, why not? I was a little nervous because I'm like, this is totally out of left field. It's something that I wouldn't have thought of. So basically um, I'd go into the show each week and I just basically um, between the radio host, uh, Jeffrey Henderson, that I worked underneath, um, I taught myself the ropes of publicity from getting guests into the studio for different actors and then just reaching out to people from Paramount, from, um, you know, Warner Brothers, wherever, whoever was having a movie premiere, I would just find the contact, reach out to them. And before I knew it, we were getting like credentialed to cover like The Longest Yard, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, all these different premieres. And it's just kept going on and on. And I've also done stuff independently away from the radio station where I've contributed to like the Huffington Post, um, medium.com, which is what I still contribute to. And um, that was founded by the co-founder of Twitter. So it's actually a very good platform for writers and contributors of all different genres. And um, yeah, I still get um, actually requests for me to interview different people and that type of thing. And I guess I can relate to it because I know where they're coming from a lot of the time because of what I've gone through. So um, I definitely try to do what I can as well to help different artists. Sure, no, and you've been so gracious with us and your time. I wanted to dissect a little bit about what you said with the contract, because I know many times this happens and it almost seems like it's a world that so few people can understand. And oftentimes early on at a young age, people can't really afford an attorney or an entertainment lawyer. Um, just tell us what, to what extent where you can reveal sort of the challenges of signing uh, to a contract really early. And, and obviously the length of time is, is onerous, but it seems sometimes that's almost standard yeah um I signed it at the time without an attorney um it was with a big sports person that had a record label and it wasn't really I don't think it was for the passion of music it was just like a hobby to this person like yeah let's just have a record label see how it goes but um it actually was you know it was a it was a shame for the artist including myself because Um, I really was locked into a situation that was just pretty disgraceful, like what I got out of it compared to what I was going to be putting into it and what was expected of me and um, how they would own all of my publishing and that type of thing. So for me, it was like, at the time, I thought it was great. So I was like, oh, my goodness, like my first record label, this is so exciting in America. And I'd actually been offered a couple of independent contracts before this, but then this kind of bigger contract came along and 
um, I was excited about it because it was just like I thought it was going to change my life and make everything, you know, so amazing and, you know, everything up in lights and all of that. But it was definitely not what it appeared to be. But um, I don't have any bitter feelings towards it because I feel like at the time it did because you feel like there's no hope and you feel like there's no way out. So when I've heard stories about JoJo and um, the other singer, Kesha, you know, I've heard their situations as well on a bigger level, but I can relate to them being stuck in a contract because, you know, if you really don't have a lot of backing and push and money behind you at the time, it really can be a challenge. You're kind of like non-existent to a lot of these big wigs that don't really help you if you can't like, give them what they want, you know, financially. Sure. How did you find your way um, as continued with your music to put songs out there and to write and to get inspiration? Because it, clearly you were also busy with your other life of uh, essentially being in the press. Yeah, um, I basically, uh, I, I did get a little bit better for a while on music. I was like, I'm done with singing. I'm finished with it. I'm so over it. And everybody was saying, oh, you can't, you were born to sing. And I was like, yeah, but I'm done with it. It just ruined my whole career with this contract. But something inside of me just kept saying, you know you want to sing. This is why you came from the other side of the world to do this. So for me, I just kept the dream alive in the back of my mind. And I thought to myself, one day it's going to come back in a way that's the right timing where I'll be ready for it where I could handle it. Because when you kind of find your footing in LA the first time as an artist, it can be very um, tempting with different things like out there and you sort of lose track of what you're here for. You get kind of sucked up and everything. And I did for a little while, you know, I was thinking, oh, this is great. But then I realized I really need to put in the work to get the results. And I remember coming to LA for the first time and seeing like millions and millions of lights when the plane came in. And I was like, how am I ever going to make it in this town? Like, this is a dream, but how am I ever going to make it? Nobody's ever going to know, like, I exist kind of thing. But it excited me as well because I thought this literally is what dreams are made of. This is what you read about in books. It's what you see in movies. And um so basically I just decided to uh, start working on music again. I did, you know, some gigs. I've done a little bit of TV stuff. Um, I started getting involved in a little bit of acting. And, um, yeah, it was basically just I think the last three or four years is when it really kind of took me to a different level now that I'm older and I'm actually really proud of myself because, you know, it's really hard sometimes to get so many knockbacks and you think, oh, is this ever going to happen? But it actually does, you know, like I tell people don't ever give up because there's, you know, if you try, if you're talented and you really work hard and you're passionate about something, it does pay off, but you have to be willing to put in the work and you have to know the business yourself and you have to be self-motivated. You can't expect everybody to do everything for you because, you don't have control then because when you don't have control, that's when people can really take advantage of you because you're not aware of what's happening. So um, I've kind of taught myself a lot about the business from in front of the camera and behind the camera and, you know, the same with the music business. Sure. So it seems interesting as you had hinted at the fact that that homeschooling type of 
the background sort of really came full throttle and back around. At what point or what event do you feel like things were really crystallized and you knew, yes, I'm back, I'm going to be able to do my music and an opportunity or a situation arose that you really felt validated and like, okay, I can move forward now? I would say working with, um, you know, coming across and meeting Narada Michael Walden, um, who I never really knew him by name. I knew his music for Whitney Houston and every other amazing artist who's worked with Aretha Franklin. Um, and I told him my story, you know, and I said, I've kind of almost given up on music because of a bad contract I signed, but I really have it in me to do it you know, some music. I want to get some original music out there. So um, him and I decided to collaborate on a couple of songs and he really did like push me to that next level where I really thought, okay, I can really do this. And he, you know, took me under his wing when it came to, you know, the studio. It was very daunting at the time, but um, he just brought the best out of me as an artist. And, you know, he, he loves my songwriting as well. He always said, um, you're a great songwriter. And that meant a lot to me because coming from him, I was like, that's amazing. So, yeah. And my understanding is that you recently finished in the top 10 of a very big international music competition for songwriting. Yeah, the World Songwriting Awards. Um, I wasn't expecting it. I just submitted my song, Get Back Up. That's an inspirational song to, you know, sometimes we have good, bad, good days, bad days, but we just get back up and we've got to keep going and not give up. And um, I felt like it had a really strong message and I've had a lot of people um, reach out to me and say, you helped me through such a tough time, like, you know, whether it was an addiction, whether it was a loss, whether whatever it was, and it really kind of touched me and I'm like, that's amazing. I, I'm so flattered that my lyrics, like, reach you and touch you that way. So I decided to enter the song and um, I didn't think anything of it because you really can't expect anything. Like, there's a lot of people that get disappointed because there's a lot of people with a big ego as well and they're like oh I'm gonna win this you know it's not even a big deal but when you kind of expect I don't expect the worst but I just expect not to be pecked or I just don't put all my hopes out there because I've been disappointed so many times so when I received the um email that although I didn't win the competition I made it into the top 10 out of hundreds of entries and they gave me the um, certificate and everything I just was absolutely flattered I was like this is amazing and it, it made me think this is what I left Australia for for this amazing like experience and that's kind of how it felt for me and it's subtle but if I'm not mistaken that's the award right there behind you it is it's my um it's my little uh, certificate up there with my album cover and my friend Anthony Acero, he, the photo, the cover, and he did a great job. He's been with me on the, the single cover journey, like doing my photos and everything. So, yeah. I don't think we have a better setup for Get Back Up. Let's take a listen. I wanted to touch on a theme because the show is called Music and Medicine, and today we're with Amber Clare, who is a singer, a songwriter, um, a publicist, and um, has just done some amazing things with being able to not only transition to the U.S., but um, take her career to the next level despite challenges and setbacks. Um, 
the topic of mental health is sort of all over the news right now. I think part obviously given given COVID and people being in, but also just the challenges that we face as the world becomes more stressful. Are there some tips or strategies or things that you've even used that that can be helpful, be it for the, the young songwriter or the person sort of recently um, coming to the US or just sort of trying to make it in the business and dealing with the ups and downs that, that have to be expected, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think it's having people that in a close circle that have known you for a long time. And if they haven't known you for a long time to keep people that have your best interest at heart, that are going to be honest with you, they're not going to lead you in a bad direction. Um, I think that's the key, who you have around you and your influences, try to be as healthy as possible, Um, stay away from all the temptations out there because it can really like kind of screw up your mind and make you more depressed. Um, Exercise, if you feel good, you look good, whether it's, you know, internally, physically, Um, try to have a good diet and just take care of yourself because at the end of the day, if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. And, you know, I've gone through depression pretty much my whole life, like up and down, and particularly through my teenage years because of what happened. But um, I remind myself I'm a very strong person regardless of what influences are out there or people that try to bring you down. Nobody could probably do what I've done or have the strength to keep going like I have. And people just say all the time to me, even my own parents say to me that I've inspired them um, because of how far I've come and just the fact that I never gave up. And a lot of people leave the US or LA, you know, after sometimes a year if nothing comes off, but I stuck it out in this crazy place though. But I love it. I do love it. I really do. But I feel like I just want to take it by the neck one day and be like, what's today? Come on, it's got to get better. Sure. What are some of the things you wish you could change about the the industry to to make it a little bit more easy for artists to to transition in and and to move uh, throughout the system? Um, I wish that there was more legit people, really. I wish there were people that actually practiced what they preach, that they were who they said they were, like when they take somebody's money, that they could actually give them the product that they're asking for. So I feel like there needs to be more of a more, there are a lot more now. I think it's a lot better, but I feel like there needs to be more mentors that are bigger artists and producers that are willing to just donate their time to help artists that really are on the verge of like really making it big so they can kind of steer them in the right direction and um, the other thing I would just probably change would be you know I wish there wasn't so much emphasis on appearance I mean it's always going to be that way but unfortunately it's very superficial you know and you're disposable but I'm hoping that um, you know artists like myself and other artists out there There shouldn't be any age limit. There shouldn't be any time, you know, frame for when you can make it. I feel like good music is going to stay around no matter what. It doesn't matter how old the person is, what they look like. If you're a great singer and a great artist, I think that that just stands the test of time. I still listen to, you know, everybody from Journey to Dire Straits to the Motels, like all of these amazing artists that, have shaped the industry we wouldn't be where we are today with a lot of those amazing bands and groups so yeah 
talk about shaping besides all the positive messages that I always see. And I love it whenever I look to your posts, um, even today. Um, but certainly a few weeks ago, I, I looked and then we've touched base on over, uh, over the course of the year. You always have so many positive things to say, despite all that you give, you also have put your heart and soul into charity work. Talk to us about sort of where the inspiration to give back in that regard, which takes even more time, um, came from and, and how much you enjoy the work that you do. Yeah, um, well, I've always been, um, I, I hate sounding like I'm talking to myself, like, yeah, I'm this and that, but I really always have been a very compassionate person. I've always wanted, I've always wanted to help people like I want to help people that are in the brinks of despair like if I can or animals whatever it is I try to just do what I can if I see somebody on the street I'll give them ten dollars twenty dollars whatever it is just to help their day if they're homeless because you know I can't imagine you know being in that situation and then I see animal cruelty that just breaks my heart because I love animals um, and then I see what's happening to the environment and how people are uh, just really I think now it's getting a lot better but um, I just feel like we need to really be more aware and connected to the earth and mother nature and what we have around us without all the material things because I feel like um when you learn and you're more in tune with that, you appreciate life and the little things more and all the big, you know, money and whatever else that kind of comes secondary to, you know, what we're actually blessed with for free that we were born into, you know. And um, I started working with Global Green um, back in 2005. I covered my very first event for them and it was... Um, a pre-Oscars gala, and it was actually, it had Selma Hayek and Orlando Bloom and that type of thing. So I just now and then would always cover their events and interview their different guests about their passion for the environment and why they're working with Global Green, why they're an advocate. Right. And so during the pandemic, um, they follow me on Instagram. So they were always like, supporting my posts and I thought I'm going to reach out to them one day and see what they're up to and you know how I could maybe help get the word out there so um, I reached out to them and they put me in touch with their CEO directly um, William Bridge and he is such a phenomenal person I mean his energy and his like inspiration to helping the world become a better place is just so it's really incomparable because he's so compassionate about it you know and um I interviewed him during the pandemic we did like a phone interview but I made it into like a video on YouTube kind of thing and I made I did an article about it and he was so impressed he's like I want to make you an advocate you know I want to make you an advocate for Global Green and um they asked me for my picture they wanted to put me on the site with like Brad Pitt and all the people Jane Fonda all these people that are advocates for them right. and so um I've gone from being an advocate and now I'm doing like their marketing for them like on a permanent basis so um we're working on some pretty exciting projects including one in uh, January in the Maldives and that's going to be um, getting the word out there about sustainability and building an educational system for the, the children over there to learn how to, 
you know, be more environmentally friendly with the plastic and all that stuff going on. And we're working on that and bringing um, some people on board to get behind it. It's a pilot show that we're going to be doing. So it's got pretty exciting. So I'm working on that now as well. Sure. And tell us about, I believe, um, early this summer, you all had a very big uh, virtual concert and, and fundraiser at the Troubadour. Good memory, because I almost forgot to mention that. Yes, um, I decided because there were so many artists that were in despair that they couldn't perform and everybody was really depressed because everything was closed down. Um, I decided to executive produce a concert and bring on board some of the people that were on our website as well as some new artists that I, you know, know as well personally. And I just organised everybody from Taylor Dane to Melody Thornton from the Pussycat Dolls. Um, there was so many people. There were different um, independent artists like Alyssa Ruffin. So uh, she was in it and then some bands, all different genres, and it was just absolutely amazing. And we put it together and I performed at the Troubadour as well as a couple of other artists, and uh, including Melody and Michael Alexander. Um, and we just put it all together as like a fundraiser for Global Green. And um, we're actually going to be relaunching the link to the show as well as a special poster that was made for us by an amazing artist as well. Absolutely. No, I, I just think it's so amazing because this story is almost one of um, blossoming where um, despite some challenges from people that just you know, were young and Sabatru really cruel, I mean, that's just the underlying a lot of bullying, um, you were able to uh, withdraw, to be fair, in a certain sense, but also get your resolve and ready your steel, so to speak, to be able to take on bigger things, one of the greatest of which is traveling thousands of miles to the U.S., and then despite uh, what certainly one would call a, a major type of challenge or setback um, with that first contract, which so many artists um, speak to situations like that with a manager or, or someone that's supposed to help them but really doesn't, um, take on an even bigger challenge of going to Los Angeles and then uh, becoming, you know, uh, like you said, unexpectedly um, part of the media and the press and, and now talk about coming full circle to uh, hosting uh, your own events and acting as an, an advocate and um, marketing a director for all intents and purposes for, for um, uh, this wonderful organization, um, Global Green. It really is um, wonderful to sort of see you flourish. And that's one of the main reasons we wanted to reach out because I really felt like it's just such an inspirational story, just sort of like a, a flower that just continues to give. And you are always giving back. And, uh, you know, it's noticed and, and I appreciate it. And I uh, just wanted to be able to say thank you for being willing to share some of that with us. Oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. It's like second nature to me. I don't even think about it. It's just part of my DNA, you know, giving back. Right. But I think that's also what makes it genuine and also refreshing um, because uh, sometimes I think people may often feel like, oh, they're doing that because it's beneficial for their taxes. They're doing it because it looks yeah. good. They're doing it because their public says, you know, they should be there. But, you know, is their heart really in it? And I, and I know that yours is. Um, one last question, if you're kind enough with your time, what words of inspiration would you leave for young artists and people that are coming up um, in the business and things of that nature? Like I said, you know, some indie artists and certainly can appreciate some of the challenges um, that they can face 
um, that might act as words of encouragement as they may deal with challenges, be they internal depression or anxiety or external, like like bullying um, and, and being uh, insulted and, and sometimes you know downtrodden because it's hard for them to share their gift. Um, you know, first of all, social media is the biggest problem. It can be our biggest um, great plat greatest platform, but it can also be very damaging. And I think a lot of these younger kids compare themselves to what they see online. That's not the that's not the finished product. It's just everything from filtering to it's all smoke and mirrors, you know, as the old saying goes. So you have to just really be happy. You have to learn to be happy within yourself and be okay with yourself, whether you're alone, whether you're in a relationship, you have to be happy with being by yourself and knowing who you are and knowing what you're capable of and what you can give back. And I think between that and taking care of your mental health, whether you are dealing with bullying, get help for it. There's a lot of help out there. There's organizations that are waiting to help people that are, you know, struggling with those type of issues and to just try to be as healthy as possible. You know, um, you also have to invest in yourself. Um, you have to have a job that can help you at least support if you want to make a record or a demo because you want to get the best quality demo, you know, when you're presenting yourself. So have like a little side job if you want to make music your full-time job or acting and make sure that you can pay for as much stuff as you can as possible by yourself without having somebody hanging something over your head. So that's what I tell people. Um, I started my own business to help artists. It's a PR business, 27 PR. And I started that back in 2012 and I um, offer press services and I offer as much as advice as I can to upcoming actors and musicians and I help them with their their you know articles and press to get it out there because once you have a product or something to promote press is definitely important you know you can be the best singer the best magician you can be the best actor but if nobody knows who you are you're just going to stay where you are so you have to kind of you know, keep your name out there in a good way. And that's what I also help with, like getting, you know, your name up on Google once I do an article and that type of thing. So I invented the business because I know what it's like. I know how tough it is and to get anybody to listen to you or give you an opportunity. So um, thankfully I've helped a lot of actors and musicians over the years from different countries that came over here and I've kind of got their name out there for them. So Absolutely. Always giving. Um, on that note, please, if you're comfortable, share with us um, one more song that's um, inspirational to you and, and no doubt will be inspirational to us of yours that you, you really enjoy. Okay. So my, one of my songs, you mean, or any song? Okay. Okay. Um, Cause I'm like naming all these artists. I'll do this one. That one. Um, there's, I guess there's a song, um, that I wrote in Australia called Till We Meet Again, and it's a ballad. And um, I think that's pretty inspirational. It's like not saying goodbye to somebody, you're waiting till you see them again. So you can't just say goodbye, you're gonna say till we meet again, you know, cause you don't know what's gonna happen. Cause a lot of people say goodbye and think that that's it. But until you know the definite answer, it's kind of like, 
I won't say goodbye, I'll say till we meet again. So that's one of my personal favourite songs that I think I wrote when I was about 20 years old. The first time I came to the US, I was going back on a plane um, from Atlanta, I believe, and I had to leave some friends and family and oh, friends mainly, and I was really sad about it. And so um, I had it in my head about till we meet again and I was like okay I'm going to keep that lyric in my head and I got back to Australia and got into the studio with one of my local producers there and he um, produced it for me and I wrote it and arranged it and I think it's a nice ballad. Absolutely and um, let's take a listen till we meet again what a great song. so giving in so many ways not only in so many of the songs that you write as well that one was so appropriate and um the words sort of are taken out of my mouth so we meet again i am so helpful so grateful so thankful that you are willing to help and share with others a shameless plug tell us where we can find you and um the best way to reach out to you for those that may you want press services or certainly to be able to listen to your music and look at some of your work. Yeah, um, I guess most of my stuff is on Instagram, Amber Claire One, the number one. And I'm on Reverb Nation. There's another artist with the same name as me, but we're different genres. So um, yeah, I'm on Reverb Nation on Facebook under Amber Claire Music. And I have a little cover song that I'm getting ready to release um, probably in the next month of one of my favorite 80s songs and artists and bands and an exceptional vocalist. And I'm doing a cover of that song. So I'm hoping to get that out there um, actually before the, end, uh, before the end of the year. So, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I don't know what happened. We have the magic to fix it. Thanks so much. You've been so kind with your time and so giving of your life and your heart. It just is um, so refreshing that, like I said, you stood up in the crowd. And I think as we continue to encourage each other, hopefully, likewise, that'll spread um, to those that maybe not, as you said, having such a great day or dealing with the ups and downs of the music industry or being in L.A. And um, it's so refreshing to know that there are people that you know, sincerely care out there and that are really trying to help. Uh, honestly and uh, truthfully so thank you absolutely and that's what I'm a big believer in the truth and being transparent and as honest as possible there's too many people that kind of put on a facade or they're living a bit of a lie so I think is them I think it comes with age too like as you get older you don't really it's like what are you going to put who am I trying to impress I need to impress myself you know, so that's kind of where you get to. And um, I want to congratulate you too for your amazing skills and what you're doing to, you know, help artists and get the word out there in a positive light. I think it's fantastic what you're doing as well. So I'm just as pleased to be part of your um, show. I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks. Till we meet again.
Yes. Okay, okay. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye. Music and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis, and we look forward to we meet again and see you here on the next episode of Music and Medicine. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid. Electric acid.